in motion is Sewell. Goff to throw. Wants to throw it to Sewell. Oh, he caught it. Yes. Sewell on first down. Oh, yes. the big man dives down to the 31-yard line. Oh, that is beautiful. Welcome to the 20 Minute Huddle Podcast. It is week 15 in the NFL, and that's right. It is the stretch run time. The Detroit Lions and New York Jets facing off at MetLife in New York. Actually, New Jersey on Sunday. And, and look, both teams are in the hunt. Uh, Lions in the NFC, uh, the Jets in the AFC. So it's a huge game. And, and when I look at this matchup, I look at really it's strength on strength. And when you look at the Lions offense, fifth in points, fourth in total defense, 11th running the football, seventh throwing the football. And it, it, the numbers are almost similar on the opposite side with that with that Jets defense. I mean, sixth in points allowed, third in total defense, fourth against the pass, 13th against the run. There might be some opportunities there for Swift and um, Jackson and Williams in the run game. I, we, we talked to offensive coordinator Ben Johnson on, on Thursday, and he said, you know, that is one area I think, you know, we need to be a little bit more consistent moving forward. Forward. Look, the Lions have been moving the ball and they've been scoring. Um, they didn't even punt against Jacksonville. But four of their last six games, they have averaged less than four yards per carry. We didn't really see that a whole lot early in the season. So maybe one area, you know, the Jets are number four in the league against the pass. I think they're, they're number four in sacks. They've got 39. I think to slow that rush down to maybe soften that coverage just a little bit, I think the Lions can stand to be a little bit more consistent, um, you know, running the football, maybe get a couple of those explosive of plays we saw a lot of earlier in the season but we haven't seen a lot of lately. I think one thing that will help that is is certainly the health up front. Um, it's been terrific to see Evan Brown back this week. You know, we'll see what his status is on Friday on the injury report and the game designations, but you know, to get to have Decker and um, Jonah Jackson and Frank Ragnow and Evan Brown and Penny Sewell against that front. You know, they run, you know, that kind of wide nine, you know, four down wide nine, um, different kind of front. Not a lot of teams um, run it. So, you know, to have those five guys, your five starters, I think is huge um, for this team and for the run game, which I mentioned. Um, you know, the, there were only two guys um, that were missing out of practice to start the week due to injury. Um, Coyote, Owasika, the guard, and, and Derek Barnes. Um, everyone else was healthy. Um, I didn't notice Aiden Hutchinson out of practice on Thursday. So, but, you know, obviously, um, you know, we'll get an update on him. Uh, I know, you know, some illnesses have been working their way around still. The Lions are trying to get by that, but we'll see what his status is. But just in terms of overall health, I mean, for Week 15 of the NFL, this Lions team is in great shape um, heading down the stretch run here. Um, you know, I, th I think maybe two other things just to note. Romeo Quara was back last week. I think he played 25 snaps, which was more than I anticipated. We're going to see that to continue um, to ramp up. So, you know, having um, James Houston, Aiden Hutchinson, Romeo Aquara, um, you know, their guys on the edge I think is, is big in this matchup. And then, you know, you know Jamison Williams, it was obviously terrific to see the 41-yard reception by him um, his first in the NFL he went from eight snaps um, against Jacksonville to 14 last week I would expect that to continue to go up um, depending on the game plan I talked to Jared Goff on Wednesday he said he's looking good he's getting way more comfortable and I'm getting way more comfortable with him so that's obviously a terrific sign moving forward and you know, just Jared overall has been playing so good and, I, and we're going to have Jared on the podcast today um, 
he's been I think getting all his weapons back has been really huge for him I, I think you look at when this team started playing good football it really um it corresponded with DJ Chark being back Amon Ross St. Brown you know being the healthiest he's been um DeAndre Swift finally getting over those ankle and and shoulder injuries and and you know Josh Reynolds being healthy. He just he finally has his full complement of weapons. He's got his entire offensive line back, both his running backs, and really all three, four running backs when you when you add, you know, Reynolds and, and Jackson into the mix too. It's just he's got to be looking around the league and, and seeing some of these injuries to teams, you know, this late into the season. And and it it was the opposite for Detroit. They dealt with it early and now they're getting healthy now at the right time. And so, you know, I think that's really, you know, coincided with, with this stretch of, of five wins at their last six so look we'll see Sunday if, if the Lions um, can keep it keep it going like I said I got Jared Goff today I've got Connor Rogers joining me he does a great job covering the Jets for the New York market I got Mike O'Hara breaking down the bet MGM key matchup so stick with me we've got a big show Welcome back to the 20 Minute the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft, and I am very happy to be joined by Connor Rogers. He does a terrific job covering the Jets in New York. He's got his hands in kind of a little bit of everything, a really popular podcast, works for SNY TV in New York, a PFF contributor, NBC Sports. Connor, you've got it all covered there, my man. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Obviously, a uh, much-anticipated week, right? I think when we both looked at this one over the summer, you never knew how this would go for each team, and both of them have started to uh, surpass expectations a little bit. So really exciting. Yeah, certainly. That was the biggest thing, for at least for Detroit. I don't know how you guys felt in New York, but you know, after a three-win season in Dan Campbell's debut in 2021, you were just like, okay, let, let's double those wins. Let's at least get to six. Let's be part of the conversation in December. Let's be playing some meaningful football and, and be in the graphic. I'm just curious, when, when you guys settled into the start of this season, kind of what was the expectations for this Jets team, and, and have they matched that, exceeded it a little bit under? Kind of where are you guys at in New York with, this, with your football team? team I think they've exceeded them I think when you open the season with a win total at five and a half and you surpass that mark pretty early now that's not the end goal right is to overachieve from how Vegas views you but I think what the Jets needed to see was young player development games that matter beyond Thanksgiving which they absolutely do the Jets needed three of these next four and they're probably in the playoffs and of course a big step from the integral parts of the franchise that is the coaching staff They've taken those steps. A lot of Joe Douglas's draft picks, they've taken those steps. The one that they have not gotten is, of course, Zach Wilson, who was benched for Mike White, uh, who continues to overachieve expectations as a former third-string quarterback, former practice squad quarterback. So you look at this Jets team, uh, and then one last one is Quinn Williams turning into a superstar, something that he had not done the first couple of years after being a top-10 pick, and now he looks like that guy. So that's how they got here. That's how they're in the playoff hunt. It's how they have one of the better young defenses in the NFL. They just need everything else to catch up. And, and that's where they stand right now. Well, since you mentioned them, let's talk about them. Uh, Quinnen Williams, obviously their best defensive player, leads them in, in sacks, quarterbacks, pressures, tackles for loss. I mean, you mentioned it. I, I consider him right there with maybe Chris Jones and, and Aaron Donald as, as the best interior guys in football. I know he's been dealing with a calf injury. Any update? I, I know Robert Sala earlier in the week said 50-50. Is, is, is that kind of still where it's at? Wait and see with him. And then obviously Mike White dealing with um, the rib injury. Kind of, Can you update us where those guys 
guys are and what their um, you know what what their availability could be for Sunday. Yeah, truly 50-50 on Quinn and calf injuries are very, very tricky. It's it's not something that you just, you know, throw a brace on or even, in my opinion, pain management. You never know which way they can go. And uh, apparently something that had popped up in summer with Quinnen, he recovered. He dominated for the first couple months of the season. And then this popped up in Buffalo again. And now you're looking at it, obviously, it's a massive game for both teams. I mean, both of these teams are trying to win out and make the playoffs the Lions have a really, really good offense where Quinn and Williams not being on the field is a massive difference maker, both against the run and against the pass. So I think he will do everything possible to play. And here's the thing, even if he is active, they will probably really rotate him more than we've ever seen. They already do that. He plays about 60, 70, 75 percent of the snaps. I think the rotation would put him down to 40 to 50 percent of the snaps if he can even go. So. You're going to see a limited Quinn and Williams if you see one at all. Mike White is really interesting because that feels like pain management. And I don't think any of us can scoff at that with the hits that he took, <laughs> but the pain he's willing to play through. So it's one of those situations. Can you put a little bit more padding on the ribs and more importantly, protect him against the Lions front seven that I've noticed over the last month has really, really come together that's something where and activating Zach Will or making Zach Wilson the number two kind of tells you that the Jets know there's a chance Mike White, I think he'll be ready to go for the game, but can he make it through the game? We know Joe Flacco is just not effective at all anymore. Zach Wilson's had his struggles, but the Jets also won five of their seven games with Zach Wilson under center. So he's the number two, probably tells you about Mike White's pain tolerance. But ultimately, it feels like White is trending to start in this one. Boy, Connor, when I looked at a couple of those hits that that he took, I mean, that second one, he was folded like a pretzel almost. I mean, he's he's a pretty tough young young man to stand in there, deliver that football, take that hit. Um, when If it does come to pain management, there's just the sense that you get from him. He seems, from the outside looking in, like he's a pretty tough character. He really is. I mean, I think his quote was they'd have to peel him off the field. So <laughs> this has nothing to do with uh, the amount of pain he's in or, or desire. This is just that the doctors clear him. If he's cleared yeah. by the doctors to play, I don't see any scenario that he's willing to come off the field unless he's forced to. Now, does it change what the Jets do offensively, right? With White, they've been able to just really carve up the intermediate areas of the field, both outside the hashes and in between the numbers. And that was something that they struggled to do with Zach Wilson under center, but white hangs in there. He keeps his eyes up when the pressure is on. He's willing to take a hit and throw the ball down the field to Elijah Moore, to Garrett Wilson, really all the way around the field. So can you live constantly that way and continue to take those hits this week? I really don't think so. I think you have to be very yeah. conscious of that where maybe you see more screens I'm not going to sit here and say the Jets are going to fire up the run. Now, the Jets have been a good run team this year, but the Lions have been one of the better run defenses in the NFL over the last month. So I don't think you just sit on the ball and run the ball and try to do something that could be ultimately ineffective. So it's going to be a fascinating chess match with the Jets injuries and the Lions ascending talent. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see kind of how that plays out and, and, and you know, if he can go or not over the next couple of days. we got to talk about another guy on defense who has been really, really terrific. I think he's the defensive rookie of the year. And look, Aiden Hutchinson has had a terrific start to this season, seven sacks, a couple interception, interceptions, excuse me, he's been a real playmaker. But boy, Sauce Gardner, the number four overall pick, he has looked terrific. 6'3", 200 pounds. Connor, I was looking at some of the numbers from PFF. It was something like 44% complete 
completion percentage when throwing his way and an, a sub 50 passer rating when teams try to challenge him. Did anyone in New York expect him to be this good this early in his career? No, and if they said that, they'd be lying. Even the guy that drafted him. No rookie corner comes in and does this. It's as simple as that. So when you look at Sauce, I mean, I always laugh at him. I had him as the number one corner in that class, and I didn't expect 80% of this. I mean, I'm blown away with what he's done. He's so good snap by snap, and you talk about those PFF numbers. I mean, they really, really jump out. Not just the 90.6 coverage grade, because I know some people um, don't always buy into the grades, but 44.1% completion percentage when targeted. He's got the two picks. He's 416 in completions. I, I think the one, the two numbers that really are jarring to me is 48.8 passer rating when targeted, uh, and then you look at overall just the amount of yards he gives up per coverage snap, which has kind of hovered in the you know, 0.55 area. That's a jarring Jeez. number. You, you look at some of the better corners in the league, like Patrick Peterson, they're more in the 0.8 and plus. So right. uh, snap by snap, he's been a great player. I think they the Jets, and this is going to be the big thing that the Lions have to answer is, uh, especially Jared Goff, they love to mix up their coverages. This is not your, you know, not your father's Robert Sala cover three defense for 90% of the game. You're going to see quarters. You're going to see cover one. You're going to get pressured. You're going to have to diagnose split field coverages. And the thing why the Jets are so effective in these areas is that Sauce is not just a man-to-man corner. He's a very talented zone corner. DJ Reed is the same way across from him. So uh, the Jets corners have been maybe the backbone of the team besides Quinton Williams up front. Yeah, and, and really that front seven. I mean, you look at the 39 sacks by the Jets, uh, fourth most in the in the league. They can really get after the quarterback. And we always talk all the time about what's good defense, right? When you can marriage the pass rush and the coverage behind it. And I think the Jets maybe do it better than anyone in the league. But Connor, this is really a strength on strength here, right? Because you look at Detroit's offense. I mean, you know, top seven in the league in, in passing, in, in um, total offense, in, in scoring. And then you look on the flip side, it's the same story for the Jets. So I'm curious, what have Jets defenders been saying this week at all? What's Robert Sala been saying just about how talented Detroit's offense is and how explosive they've been, especially with now DJ Chark healthy, Jamison Williams, and that full complement of, of receivers and arguably one of the top two offensive lines in football. Just what have they talked about the challenge for them this week? I think the awareness of the offensive line they're dealing with, yeah. uh, and I think that's where you know, the Jets kind of understand everything starts in the trenches and the Lions understand that as well. These teams have been on similar rebuild paths. The quarterback trajectory has been different, but everything else around them, they've had top picks. They've had coaching staffs that really took a beating year one without their full complement of players on their roster. Uh, and then they've had improvement in year two, and they constantly point to winning in the trenches. And the Jets kind of have a mindset each week, but especially against a team like the Lions is that, you have to earn the right to rush the passer. Uh, there are teams that will test you with the run game over and over, especially if Quinton's not on the field. And that's not to take away from the rest of the players on the Jets front, Carl Lawson, Sheldon Rankins, John Franklin Myers. But the bottom line is there are teams, especially if the weather's a little dicey, we know it'll be cold. You never know how the wind tunnel will be at MetLife. It's a weird variable that can affect the pass game and the kicking game. And teams are going to test you against the run. And if you don't shut down the run, they'll keep doing it. And I think that's an emphasis of the Jets coaching staff is that you love the sack numbers. You love that they lead to Pro Bowls and accolades and highlights on Twitter and everything like that. But you don't get the opportunity to do that unless you're run responsible. So the Jets have to come out run responsible against a trio of running backs that will be involved in this game. Um, and the fact is, when the Lions can get that run game going in any capacity, they have a play action threat now on the field in Jamison Williams, who 
We've only seen him sprinkled in, but we know he can do when he's ready to go, along with other talented pass catchers as well. Chark can win vertically. Amon Ross St. Brown can win at all three levels of the field. So I think they understand going into this game that they have to put Goff in a pass, pass, pass situation, which is on the offense as well. The Jets need to come yeah. out and score points in this game and turn the Lions into a pass team, which we know the Lions are very good in that script, but it'll allow the Jets front four to pin their ears back, try to attack off, make the ball come out quicker, because if he has too much time back there or they're a little unpredictable and they're more balanced run pass, that's going to make life a lot tougher for the guys on the back end, no matter how talented they are. You know, Connor, you've, you you mentioned it before, just how how similar the past have been with these two franchises. I'm just curious what 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 December's been like for Jets fans, because I know here in Detroit, I mean, Ford Field has been crazy. It's been since 2017. This team has played meaningful football games in the month of December. It's been a while for the Jets as well. Just just how how much have Jet fans enjoyed this kind of stretch run now here? Because because I know here in Detroit. It, they've been just itching for a winner for so long that, that to finally be playing these meaningful games and have the playoffs in sight, it's been exciting here. Is, is there the same amount of um, excitement surrounding the jets now too? And, 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 and what, what fans view as, as maybe a really positive future moving forward? Absolutely. Cause you guys know it. And these are two very loyal fan bases, jets fans and lions fans have hung around with some hard, hard times, some tough, different whether it's drafting, coaching, just losing, they've hung around. And the Jets have not hosted a December game like this, you know, in really quite some time. That's what the difference here. And I think, you know, Campbell and Sala, when they get these jobs, you hear them at the podium and it's easy to believe in them and buy into them and understand why players love them. But at the end of the day, the team has to win games at some it's point. results business, right? It's a results business. And the Jets kind of came out of the gate they lose at home against Baltimore. They look really bad for the first three quarters in Cleveland before a miracle win. And then when things start to turn around after the Bengals game, everyone's looking around and going, now the wins are here. Now Salah's actions are matching his words. And the fans are showing up to the games, expecting this team to fight hard for a playoff spot. And I do think they're a step ahead of where a lot of people expected them, maybe even themselves, as much as they would never admit that, because a lot of their impact players are 25 and under. Quinn Williams turns 25 this month. DJ Reed's 25. Sauce Gardner's 22. I mean, this is a really, really young team all across the roster, and they are learning what these meaningful games are like, what the environment is like. So this is a huge test for them, but the fans are so excited about it because you can get right. It's football is a weird business because as we sit here with the baseball offseason, you see guys signing 10 year contracts and they're going to be there for the decade. Football, you have players that are there for a year, two, three years, besides quarterbacks yeah. and franchise players. I think Jets fans feel an attachment to this core because they're on rookie and second year contracts. They're going to be here for the next three years, and they just haven't had an identity of a franchise like that maybe since 2010 when Rex Ryan was here. You know, it's so funny when you talk about that because it really is the same situation here in Detroit with some of the young core guys. You know, obviously Jared Goff's a, a little bit more of a veteran, but your Amon Ross St. Browns, your DeAndre Swifts, right? Your Aiden Hutchinsons, Kirby Josephs on defense, all young guys. And that's really been the precipice of, of Detroit's, you know, turnaround this season from one and six to six and seven. It's been the play of those of young guys. So look, it's two franchises that, that seem to be on a very similar path. And obviously they're on a, a crash course 
course, Sunday at MetLife Stadium. They both need a win to keep their playoff hopes alive. It should be a fun atmosphere. Connor Rogers, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Great insight on everything, and I'll be make I'll make sure I stop by and say hello when I when I get to MetLife on Sunday. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me and obviously good luck. And, you know, these are two really fun teams to watch. So I think we're in for one hell of a game on Sunday. I hope so. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate you. Welcome back to the 20 in the Huddle podcast, and I am very glad to be joined by quarterback Jared Goff. Jared, thanks for joining me as always. It's, it, I've been wanting you on for a few weeks, and schedule-wise, I know you're such a busy man, but thanks for taking the time <laughs> of course, this week. And me. Let's start with this. I know you did your media session yesterday, and you were asked about what the last six weeks have been like, and just a huge smile came yeah. onto your face. Because what, what have the last six weeks yeah. been like? Playing football at Ford Field and just, just playing some of your best football. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It reminds you why you love playing the game and why you started playing the game. And uh, you want to win, and everyone wants to win. And, and when you're able to do it with a group of guys like we have and um, able to see the work pay off, there's nothing better. And, and that's what we're able to enjoy right now. Still got a lot of work to do in a lot of games, but uh, we've been doing a good job up to this point. And what about just in this city? I know you're a California kid, right? You grew up in California, went to California, played with the Rams, yeah. obviously. But when you came here, how long did it take you to realize that this is a football town? Yeah. And if you were ever to get a winner in this city, just how fun that would be and, and to be a part of. Right, yeah. It, I, I mean, pretty quickly I learned it once I was traded here. And I think I can feel, you know, we're 6-7 and seven and we've won five of the last six, and, and it's exciting. But you can feel what it would possibly be like to be a 10-11 win team and to be playoff bound. And, and sure, we've got four games left, and we could possibly do that. But um, – that the the feeling of that is so exciting and something that we want to give our fans and uh, give them as soon as possible. What's been the biggest difference for you guys offensively over the last six weeks that have really kind of turned this thing around? You guys have been good really all year offensively, yeah. but you've turned it into winning football the last six weeks. What in your mind, when you, when you look at the totality of the last six weeks, has been the biggest difference you think for you guys? I, I think we've we've found our identity a bit, um, both in the run game and the pass game, and. Uh, you know, we've certainly gotten guys healthy. That's helped and been a huge help on the outside. And then, and then I think up front, those guys up front are playing so dang well right now. And um, we can kind of do a lot of things that a lot of teams can't because of that. You know, we can put Panay in motion like you saw last <laughs> week. We can we can pull Panay. We can move Decker around. We can do stuff with our center with Frank and Joan and all these guys. We can we can do certain things that a lot of teams can't. And teams have to defend a lot right now with, with those guys' ability up front. How much do you pinch yourself playing behind those guys? I mean, because <laughs> arguably you've got four Pro Bowl caliber players up there, and Evan Brown is, is yeah. playing pretty good football as well too. When you watch games around the league, you you maybe see some of the punishment some of these quarterbacks take. Do you, do you just pinch yourself and be yeah. like, "Wow, I, this is pretty sweet that it I is, get to yeah. do this every week." It is pretty sweet, and I, and I don't uh, I don't take it for granted because I've I've been on the other side of it, and uh, we've we've got a really good group right now, and I make sure those guys know how much I appreciate them, and um, that there are guys around the league who are getting hit quite a bit, and, and right now we're not one of them. Okay, serious question then. I, it, the more important, the, the the bigger Christmas gift this year, is it to your fiance Kristen, or is it to those guys along the offensive line? And how much time um, do you dedicate for the Christmas gift? I know it's an important I, thing. I spent a lot of time on it this year. Did you uh, really? I did. Um, I won't spoil it. I'll probably give it to him next week. Uh, but 
for, uh, cost wise, theirs is more expensive than than Kristen's for sure. Wow, yeah. they're going to be pretty excited about yeah, it, huh? They will. I hope so. And let's talk about the wide receiver core too, because I think that's a big part of this too. Jared is is look, you guys had a lot of injuries early on. JMO was kind of working his way back. You had to patchwork some stuff. And look, credit to guys like Khalif Raymond, mm-hmm. right, and Amon Ra yep. for kind of keeping it all Tom together, Kennedy, yeah. you know. But now you've got DJ Chark back healthy. Yep. JMO's coming into the mix. So so what does that allow you guys to do, or, or how does that affect the defense when you've got now your full complement of guys? Yeah, well, well, certainly those two guys, DJ and Jamison, can stretch a defense, and, and we've shown that in the last couple of weeks with with both of them you know they can catch balls over the top and teams are gonna have to respect that now and uh it will open everything else up and, and every other facet of our offense but yeah just getting all everyone back healthy it, it changes uh it changes what you're able to do and and it allows guys to come in fresh and you know you have four or five guys you have a rotation now and it's not like you know for a couple of weeks there we had you know tk saint and uh, a Khalif, and it was just those three. 60 snaps. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 you know, those guys get worn down, and Khalif's playing special teams, and TK's playing special teams, so it, it, it helps to have a full stable of guys that, that are complementary of each other. All right, let's flip this, the script a little bit. Let's talk about the Jets, because when you look at this matchup, at least to me, it's, it's strength on strength, right? Your yeah. offense against their defense. You just look at some of the numbers, sixth in points allowed, third in total defense. They're fourth against the pass. They have the fourth most sacks, 39. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good unit over there. What jumps out to you when you throw on the tape and started preparing for them? Yeah, they're, they're really good at every level. Uh, their D-line starts there with them, and it always kind of has with Sala, I think, back to when I played them in San Francisco, and, and that D-line was always so good, always so many first-rounders up there and always so many guys that can get after the quarterback, and then they kind of build from there backwards. But um, C.J. Mosley's really good. Their secondary is really good. I played against, I played with LaMarcus Joyner in L.A. for a long time. He's a great player. The corner they got, Sauce, is a good player. D.J. Reed, I think, is a really underrated corner I played against in San Francisco. Um, so, yeah, they've got they've got guys at every level that have played for a long time and, and understand what it looks like, and um, they're a tough, formidable defense. Uh, uh, Coverage-wise, do they, they mix it up pretty well? Do they do one predominantly more than the other? Are they no. a zone or man, or, or, or they, they pretty much mix it up? They do mix it up. They do mix it up, and I think they keep it fairly simple, and, and it's kind of the way they've, they've done it is, is pass rush, get home, and uh, you know, cover. And it, and it's, it is it is fairly simple, but it's very effective. It's, it's very effective, and they do a good job with it. I want to ask you about Amon Ross St. Brown a little bit because the, the man versus zone question is, is, you know, obviously when you have when you play a team with a lot of zone, like that guy in the slot, right, that guy that can yep. find those little areas, that, that crafty slot receiver. But when you play man, he's just as good in that too. Like he can beat a guy one on one too. So what are the benefits of having a guy like that? It, it really doesn't matter what a defense throws yeah. at Amon Ra. It seems like he can kind of match up well against that. Is, sure. is that accurate? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, he's he's really good in zone, and then he's he's able to separate in man, and um, it's a rare combination for a guy. And I think he's coming to his own this year, and everyone can kind of see what he's made of. And um, he's still getting better and still growing, and the sky's the limit for him. But yeah, he's a guy that that I love throwing to, and. Um, gets himself open pretty well. So you've been to MetLife. Um, maybe just what is that stadium like? What's that like? It sounds like 40 degrees, yeah. not so much weather, but can it get windy in there, a wind tunnel yeah, type it was deal? Windy last what was time it with played. the Giants? I know you played well in New York. Yeah, it was very windy that game, and I think that took a took an account how we had to play that game. You know, there was a little bit less throwing the ball down the field, a little bit more taking care of the ball, making them, you know, hopefully make the mistakes that they did make and, and playing good defense. And we did, and we won that game uh, pretty handedly. But um, we'll see what it, what it goes like this week. Uh, it looks fine right now, but we'll see. 
four rushing touchdowns in that game. How fun is that as a quarterback <laughs> to just turn around and get it to those guys? And uh, I mean, obviously, you want to sling it around, and 330 and three touchdowns is great. FedEx <laughs> player of the week through the air, but it's got to be nice, too, to just be able to turn around and hand nice. the ball off to guy. It him. is nice. I, I like just scoring points. At this point in my career, I feel comfortable with uh, – handing the ball off and scoring four touchdowns there and, and I'm okay with that because I know I'll get mine at some point. Yeah, you take a few less hits that way too. There you go, you exactly. Yep. <laughs> All right, uh, before we close out, I want to ask about Ben Johnson because yep. obviously I think he's a big catalyst to, to kind of where you guys have gone offensively and your relationship, we talked to him on Thursday and, and he says it's as close as it's ever been that, that you know, you guys are just such in lockstep. Um, just what has he meant to you and, and how important has he been to, to this offenses, you know, getting to, to this point. Yeah, he, I mean, he's the catalyst. You know, he's he's the guy who's, uh, you know, driving the ship there offensively. And um, he means more to me than, than anything. I mean, it's been a lot of fun growing with him and getting to know him. And uh, like, he, like he said, we are as close as we've been and um, see the game very similarly now. And I think developing our identity, like I mentioned, over yeah. these past six weeks has kind of formed that and allowed us to really know what we're trying to attack and think, think similarly. Um, so the, yeah, we we we're in a really good place, him and I, and uh, continue to grow there. Jared, it looks like you're just you're having fun playing football. I am. I mean, it just looks like when I, when I watch you, just the way you interact with the guys. I mean, the celebrations, the sideline, the stuff with Dan and 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 Ben. You're just you look like it, this is a fun time for you. Right it is now. fun. I'm I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's been fun. Well, it, it's a big game, obviously, on on Sunday, and that's why you play the games, right? Yep. You're playing meaningful games in the month of December. Keep it rolling. You're playing some good football. Thank you, you guys got a good test, but uh, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate Thank you, man. it. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, man. Of course. Welcome back to the 20 Minute Huddle podcast. It is now time for the BetMGM key matchups. And joining me this week is Michael O'Hara. Now, I couldn't, uh, PJ's joined me the last couple weeks, but I couldn't have PJ on. PJ's from New York. PJ's a Jets fan. There would be a bias in this segment. And plus, I, I like talking with the Hall of Famer. I'm only here because he's a homer. No, That's the only thing. not at all. <laughs> what an insult. You are here because you are Michael O'Hara. Well, I appreciate Hall that. Hall of Famer. And, 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 Mike, you know what we do. You've done this segment before. We, we basically um, talk about five key matchups. And, and let's start with this one. Uh, Quinn and Williams, yeah. they're really talented defensive tackle versus Jonah Jackson and company. You know, it'll be Jonah Jackson. It could be um, Evan Brown and, and whoever else they rotate there at, at the right guard spot. But to me, that interior of the de- of the Detroit de- offensive line is really going to be tested with Quinn. Absolutely. The issue f- for him is, is he going to play Sunday? Yeah. I mean, look, he's got 11 sacks on the season. He got two of those in the first quarter and a half of their last game and went out with a calf injury and didn't come back. And to me, that's a, that's not a good sign. It's, no. You know, if you don't come back, that to me, that tells me that there's something wrong, especially as a team that's like the Detroit Lions fighting for a playoff spot. Didn't practice Wednesday yeah. either. Robert Sala said he's 50-50 at this point to play. Well, I, that sound, it sounds hopeful to me because I listened, just like you did, I listened to their their interview and it didn't sound good. It no, really didn't. it but, didn't. But he's a tremendous player. You know, he's one of those guys who look, he just looks so big, but he's 6'3", 303. That's, that's not huge for inside, inside linemen, but 
God, the way he plays, it's just just an absolute terror. Drafted third overall out of Alabama, of course, where else, right? right. But just a tremendous player. The Lions are better off without him playing. But look, Jonah Jackson, those that that, that offensive line has become this this season everything everybody projected it to be, yep. even with the, even with the injuries. Look. They've given up, what, two sacks in the last two games combined. They can do almost anything they want offensively. They've got, they've got room to maneuver. I think it's – look, it's, it's a tough – let's just assume that Quinn and Williams is going to play. It's a tough battle, but it's one that the Lions are built to, to battle. Yeah, his 11 sacks tied with Chris Jones for legally. But if you look at just the pass rush reps, I mean, Chris Jones has had so many more right. than Quinn and Williams. So it's, it's that impact, right? And, and any quarterback will tell you, and we've talked about this before, is that that pressure up the middle is the worst for quarterbacks. I mean, uh, it, 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 it's the quickest way to the quarterback, and it just doesn't allow them to step up. And I think he, the – his pressure and the way he plays allows those guys on the edge to do what they do. I mean, they have 39 sacks as a team. That's fourth most in the NFL, but I think a lot of it is because of Quinton Williams and, and that the quarterbacks can't step up because he's so productive in the middle. Oh, absolutely. And I, like you said, anytime that there's, there's pressure in the quarterback's face, it, it really changes everything. Yeah. It really does. Among defensive tackles, Williams is first in sacks pressure percentage, sack percentage. I mean, he is just really, really productive. But when you look at Jonah Jackson and Evan Brown, Zero sacks allowed all season between those two. Blinds hope they get Evan Brown back. I think that'd be a big boost for them. Look, they've gone right down the list of backups at right guard. They played this every year. guard on yeah. the roster, I think. And then Sunday we went out and got you know for <laughs> yeah. that week. Are you doing anything Sunday? <laughs> but uh, and look, that it's look, it's a testimony to the players themselves and the coaching staff too. It yeah, really is. Hundred percent. All right, let's let's switch gears a Let little bit. Here. Switch pages. Let's go. You know, their talented wide receiver Garrett Wilson. Um, you know, rookie draft pick this year. It's having a terrific season. First, another guy who's having a terrific season for the Detroit Lions, Jeff Okuda, the cornerback, third year. And Mike, it's really good to see Jeff. You know, living up to you know, the hype that was there when he was the number three overall pick. Now, look, he didn't select himself, right? Right. I mean, he had nothing to do with, with being the number three overall pick, but there's pressure that comes with, with that being a top five pick. And obviously he was derailed his first two years by injuries, but, boy, he's been healthy this year, and, and he plays a physical brand of football. I think <sighs> he brings something a little bit different to this defense when, when he's healthy and humming. I would hesitate to stretch out and catch the ball with him <laughs> in the area because he's He's out there to do some damage, and, and he does it. He really does. Even last week, you know, he only played, I think, half the snaps or whatever it was because he had the flu or whatever it was, you know, whatever it was going around then. But, but I bet you he'll, he'll come out this week and just heck on wheels. He really will. And you look – you look at Wilson, I mean, he's their guy at mm-hmm. wide receiver. Over 100 targets, 63 catches, 868 yards, four touchdowns. But I think the big one to me is three receptions of 50-plus yards. That's tied for the most in the NFL. So, like, like when they need a big play, when, and this isn't a, a Jets team that um, offensively is no. one of the better teams. But so so when they need that big play, when they and when they get them, typically it, it, it's with Wilson. I think that's got to be the, the big thing with Jeff is just don't, don't allow that big play. No, I, I would agree Make with that. Make them earn it. And, and 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 settle down this week, too. He got some early penalties in the yeah. game. In fact, the Lions had five penalties in the first quarter, and it seemed like he had all of them, but he really didn't. But, yeah. but just, just play the game. Let the game come to you. And he's that's what he's done all season. I think that was an, an, an abnormal 
uh, performance for him last week. But just play the game, let it come to you, and and he'll he'll take care of it. All right, let's go. Let's flip over and, and talk about Detroit wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown, right. who's been come on terrific. He's, I think he's one of the top ten wide receivers in the NFL already in his second season, and he's going to be facing their nickel corner Michael Carter, who's been playing pretty well in his own right. He's got a couple interceptions. Um, he's only allowed one touchdown all year. But when you look at St. Brown, 82 catches, Mike, 898 yeah. yards. He could go. He could get 1,000 yards this week, six touchdowns. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that you're a 100-catch, 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown guy over the next, you know, if, if he can get a few more over the next uh, four weeks. Yeah, I think the 10 would be a stretch. The other two, I, I, I can really, really see him get. And the thing about him to me is that the efficiency he plays with, if you throw him the ball, it doesn't hit the ground very often. It, it, he'll get, for example, he had a stretch five weeks ago for those next four games, he had 41 targets, 37 catches. That's that that just doesn't happen. It really right. doesn't. I know he's playing in the slot. And he's a little closer to the quarterback and has you know more chances at sure catches. But that is production. And. I like that you mentioned the slot because we yeah. talked about how good this team is, right? The 39 sacks being fourth, Quinn and Williams, that pressure up the middle. To me, when you play a team like the Jets who are so good defensively, especially up front, can get after the quarterback, who's the quarterback's best friend? That quick passing game, right? right? That slot guy is the, is the closest guy to him. So, like, to me, this week, this is an Amon Ra, Ra St. Brown type of game. Um, you know, you're going to want to get the ball out of Jared Goff's hands. It's going to be quick. Get some one-on-one matchups with with Michael Carter, and you got to like St. Brown in, in 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 that matchup. And so, I could see him being targeted ten plus times this week, just because I I, I, I bet the game plan is going to be to try to get the ball out of Jared's hands. Well, there's the other thing too. He's got seven career runs for 89 yards, so he, there's a lot of things he can do. And for those of you who, don't, who follow all of this stuff, he blocks. He blocks. He blocks downfield. He blocks at the line of scrimmage. This is just an all-around football player. When you talk, refer to a guy as a ball player, that's an ultimate comment, and I think he's a ball player. What a great pick by Brad Holmes. Yeah, absolutely. Fourth-round pick. Wow, he's been good. All right, let's t- let's talk about a key one, I think, in this one is, is look, head coach Robert Salah, right? It's his defense that he brought over there. He's the defensive guy versus Ben Johnson, Lions offensive coordinator. And when you just look at the numbers, I mean, these teams – Offensively, Detroit, um, fifth best in points scored, fourth in total offense, 11th in rushing, and seventh in passing. But when you look at the Jets' defense, I mean, the numbers are almost similar across the board. Sixth in points allowed, third in total defense, 13th in rushing, and fourth best passing defense in the league. What a matchup against really strength on strength this week. This is a glasses off moment. (laughs) (laughs) Young man, the statistic that means the most to me about Robert Salah is this. They were two and fourteen two years ago, four and thirteen last year. They've already won seven games. Yeah, they're better off right now than they were the last two years combined. He's brought something to that team, to that franchise that they've, did, they've been lacking. I think it's what eleven years without a playoff berth. The fact that they're seven and seven and six, yeah. and knocking on the door right now is a tribute to coaching. I, I see PJ behind there lifting his arms about that. He's excited about Salah and his chance. Well, he's easily excited. <laughs> but, but you can say the same thing about Dan Campbell, too, yeah, absolutely. right? I mean, what he's done. Um, and, and look, Ben Johnson, I think, has been a big part of that, too, with, with what he's brought over the last year and a half to this um, Lions offense. And the 39 sacks, which we talked about, but Detroit only 19 sacks 19 allowed. Sacks, so, yes. again, like strength on strength. That's the, four, the third fewest in the NFL. Um, and, and Robert Sala was asked about Detroit on Wednesday. 
Wednesday in his in his press conference in New York. And you know what makes that offense so good? The first thing he said was that offensive line. Yeah, they are. He he said Detroit and Philadelphia. You could argue as the best offensive line in football. That's a pretty good compliment coming from a a defensive guy like that. He said. He, the Detroit's offensive line is playing so well that they're making Jared Goff look like he's playing seven on seven, which I thought <laughs> well, was a great line. That's a great line, absolutely. And well, they are. And so that's why this is such a key matchup to me is what will Sala dial up to counteract Detroit? Will, will he blitz? Will he just go with his guys um, and, and rush for because they've been so productive? But he hasn't faced an offensive line probably as good as this one. Oh, I'll bet you this. I bet you these, these, these two coaches, the coordinator and the head coach, Love a game like this. I bet mean, they're out there plotting. It's like playing your neighborhood bully or something yeah. like that. I got gotcha. you. Little chess match, huh? Absolutely. You know, Ben. Uh, one other thing too, and and I I think it was uh, uh, forget exactly who said it, but they were talking about what they liked about what he did in last week's game uh, creatively, and he said creative running plays. Mm-hmm. You don't hear that very often. You really do. It's usually the run. It's the flea flicker stuff like that. But the creative running attack was what really stuck. Was really stood out. Yeah, Ben Johnson's been great all year long. What will we have dialed up this week? This is this is probably the best defense lines have faced. All I think year. his middle name should be ben Franklin, Ben Franklin Johnson, <laughs> for all the creative stuff he does. All right, let's finish with, finish with this one, Mike. And it's their cornerback, Sauce Gardner, the number four overall pick, who has been terrific. It probably isn't even a good word to no. say. I think he, he he's the rookie of the year. I think Aiden Hutchinson's right there, kind of on his heels. But I think it's Sauce Gardner's to lose. Just with you, you could argue that he's the best corner in football, and, I, and he's he's a rookie. I mean, how many guys come into the league and you say they're already probably the best at their position? Not a lot. A lot of guys you could say that about six three, two hundred pound, physical. I mean, he shuts down the left side of the field. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. One thing about him, it's, he's he's one of our own here too. He's yeah. played at King High School in Detroit over on the east side, and just a. Play, also played wide receiver there too. Just a terrific athlete. Went down to Cincinnati and got you know was one of those you know th- those core guys who got them into the into the uh, championship tournament last year. So just he's he's been good at everything he's done and at every level he's done it. And it really can you say it's a, a, no surprise? It's always a, a little surprise when somebody comes out of the shoot the way he has. But boy, for a fourth pick overall, what a player! And that matchup versus Jamison Williams, and you could you really use any of the Lions wide receivers wow. because Sauce plays the left side, so. I'm sure Ben will try to rotate, you know, guys around, get matchups over against DJ Reed. But DJ Reed's pretty good on the other side as well. Um, sixth best in coverage grade for by Pro Football Focus, DJ Reed on the other side. So, you know, it, it's a really good matchup. But when when you got Jamison Williams against Sauce Gardner, I think that'll be a terrific matchup. Be just because of Jamo's speed, and you know, we started to see him, you know, play a little bit more last week. Obviously, had the 41-yard touchdown on kind of a busted coverage, but you started. I, I think fans got a chance to see the speed, and and it's it's rare speed it that really he's is. got. It, it, it's a different kind of speed too. It's you know, he's a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a long stride. It doesn't look like he's running hard when he is, and so I mean, it's something Sauce will have to. Um, you know, get accustomed to, but just throwing at at Gardner this year, forty four point one completion percentage. They've thrown him fifty nine times. They've completed twenty six of them. Mike, <laughs> that's it. And he's a rookie. They have a forty eight point eight passer rating when opposing teams try to throw at Sauce Gardner. I mean, he's just he's been terrific. Well, just you know, put a guy over there. You don't care if he catches the ball and let everybody else <laughs> on the other side. That's and that's why that we you know when we talked about Michael Carter and Amon Ross St. Yeah. Brown earlier. I think because Sauce is so good at taking away the team's 
guy, whoever lines up over there on that left side, he's right. so good. And, and he doesn't really travel, um, you know, with the opponent's number one guy. He, he plays that left side, so you can scheme it a little bit and try to get some guys away from him, but... When you got somebody lined up over there, they're not going to see the football very often, and it's, so we'll see if if Jamel can maybe you know get on top of them, can can make that big play if they're ever matched up against us. I think that'd yeah, be a great, fun matchup to watch. Yeah, and the great thing about this matchup we're talking about, it's one of those. It's right out there. You can see it. You know, it's yeah. not like look, different blocking schemes and all that. They don't. They're not readily discernible by. You know, the mere mortals like myself. But watch you know, the passing game and all that, some of that stuff. It's fun because you can see it. You know, it yeah. really is. It just it develops before your own eyes. Well, it's a big one for both teams. Absolutely. Lions 6-7, and seven, you know, they, they think they got to win out to, to get a shot in the NFC. The Jets are 7-6. and six. You know, they've got a tough schedule remaining. So this is a big one for, for, for both these teams on Sunday. Well, Robert Salah said these last four games are the start of the playoffs. And yeah. so this, we'll call it the final four. Two teams in playoff mode in December. Should be fun in New York. Uh, that's the uh, Bet MGM key matchup segment. Thank you guys for joining me. Obviously, PJ Clark and I will be uh, in New York having a podcast after the game and what we hope is a Lions victory.